Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. I'm so thankful for each of our guests that I have on this show. Each and every one of them has a story of incredible circumstances that they have been able to overcome. And each one of them has a message of hope because they were at a place in their life that they felt hopeless. And yet they didn't give up, they didn't quit, they persevered. They were tenacious, they made it through, and they have a story to tell of that success. It can be in a variety of arenas, whether it was overcoming a, a, an illness or an accident or trauma of any kind or financial ruin or an educational problem or problems with family. It, and most of my guests also have written memoirs or books that either are self-help books or memoirs so that you can complete the story after we share it here. So I really am thankful for each of my guests and also for my audience. We are now in over 120 countries and I'm just so thankful that the message of hope is reaching out to basically every corner of this globe. So I thank you both. I'm so excited to have this guest on today because she is going to talk about a baby miracle. And I think that every parent on this planet loves to hear, a st- well, every person, not just a parent, of a story that was a miracle regarding a baby. And Crystal is very unique, and I'm so anxious to have her share it with us. Crystal Duffy is a former high school teacher and a consultant who is now an author, an essayist, and a stay-at-home mom. She has three little girls, including a set of identical twins. She is a contributor to Twins Magazine, You and Me Medical Magazine, Mamapedia, and Twin Diversity, which is an online support network for parents of multiples. Everybody loves a miracle story about babies, and her memoir, Twin to Twin, is one such unbelievable miracle story. Welcome, Crystal. Thank you so much, Carol. I'm so excited to be here with you and share my story. Absolutely. Isn't it wonderful to be able to be on the other side and share your story after you've gone through it? <laughs> it is. Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> I wonder when you, sometimes when you share it, how did I make it through? And that's one of the things we are going <laughs> exactly. to talk about today, too. So I appreciate that. So now, before we go into the main thrust of your story and your book, 
what happened to you, I believe it was when you were in Maui? Um, okay. Uh, well, uh, I'll just backtrack a little bit and um, just say I, I met my husband when, uh, when I was 19, and we were both sophomores in college, uh, and we lived in the same dorm. We had an instant, you know, connection, and I remember the first night I met him, um, my head was spinning at disbelief at how perfect we, we were for each other, and, you know, it being so young, um, didn't think that was, you know, possible to meet, uh, you know, your husband so young, but we were, we were inseparable, and we dated for about five years, and then got married and moved back to Houston, which was my hometown. And so uh, a year or so later, we were 26 years old, and we had just found out we were pregnant with our first child. We hadn't been trying. Um, it, we were both ecstatic uh, at the thought Aww. of you know b- being new parents, <laughs> and we uh, you know we shared the news with just about everybody we met. <laughs> um, you know we didn't. Of course. Yeah, of course. We were uh, ecstatic. So then a, a few weeks uh, later, my husband took me on vacation in Hawaii. And uh, I remember we were standing on the beach, you know, staring at, you know, the rolling white capped waves. And, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, it was picturesque. Uh, and then my back began to hurt. And then I felt, you know, sort of heavy cramps pounding inside of me. I didn't know what was going on. I was, you know, terrified. Um, I sort of collapsed, you know, into the sand and, uh, my husband, you know, picked me up and carried me back to our hotel room where I then locked myself into the bathroom. Uh, and I was crying hysterically. I, you know, never felt, Uh you know, so much pain, so immense. And, you know, I had that deep, dark feeling that I knew, I, I knew what was happening. I just, you know, was yes. in denial and was ho- yes. hoping it was something else. Yes. So in just so much physical pain and then so much, you know, emotional pain for losing this, you know, teeny tiny little baby inside of me before it had even had a chance to even form into that. So, uh, so there I was, I had a, a miscarriage in the midst of this, you know, tropical paradise. Mm. of uh, what was supposed to be, you know, the beginning of, you know, our pregnancy, of our expanding our family. And we were both just, you know, devastated. And we spent, um, I remember, hours <laughs> waiting by the phone for my doctor in Houston to call us back and to confirm, you know, our fears and, you know, to answer our questions right. and advise, advise us um, on next steps. You know, what do we do? I just remember I was I was enraged. I kept, you know, questioning over and over again, you know, why me? Why did this happen to me? You know, I'm so young. What, what did is, what did I do? And I basically wanted answers, you know, that my doctor wasn't able to give me. And, uh, we returned from Hawaii and I was, you know, so overcome with loss that I stayed, you know, in bed for days and just, you know, thought that nothing would work out, that, you know, I would never be happy, that I would never, you know, fulfill my lifelong dream of being a mother and, you so know, you, all these. You went through heavy grieving. Yes. In every mm-hmm. every respect. Yes, I did. I I remember people, you know, saying it's, 
you know, sort of God's way of, you know, fixing, you know, what would have been, you know, a problem pregnancy or, or, you know, an unhealthy child. And I didn't find that, you know, at all comforting. And I was, you know, I was still angry about what had happened. And I thought, I thought my body was, you know, damaged. Um, One of the things that I often talk to people who have gone through grief and talk to them about the stages of grief. And I don't think you can put a time limit for one thing on grief because everybody grieves differently, correct? Definitely. So, so yeah, I was grieving and I sort of spiraled down, um, you know, whirlpool of sadness until, um, and I was, you know, determined that we were going to get pregnant and that we were just going to try and try again until, until, um, we got pregnant again. And, and it wasn't until, uh, our daughter Abigail was born in 2012 that I finally, you know, sort of got over that grief and got over that, you know, that baby, um, and her entrance into our lives was, I mean, our life was just amazing because she was this big, healthy, you know, perfect little baby, you know, over nine pounds. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was just so happy that life had given me this, this great honor, you know, of being her mother and especially, you know, what I had gone through. I felt so grateful and, you know, I appreciated how precious, you know, human life is and, and going through, you know, pregnancy and childbirth. Um, One of the things that you were mentioning before about some of the things that people said to you that were not comforting, do you have any suggestions? Because I think that there are a lot of people who are so uncomfortable that they either say the wrong thing or nothing at all. Mm-hmm. I believe personally, and you can tell me how this sits with you, that very often saying nothing and just hugging speaks more than trying to tell them, well, you know what, it was God's way, or it's all for the best, or you'll get mm-hmm. over it. What are your feelings about that? Um, I I agree. I think so many times people are uncomfortable and they don't know what to say, especially if they haven't gone through it themselves, you know, they don't know what you're going through. And, and I I do think that that's just the best thing is, you know, for them to just hug you tightly, you know, be that shoulder for you to cry on and just say, I'm here, whatever you need, Mm. even if you don't need anything, you know, Mm -hmm. if you want chocolate, if you want to just talk, if you don't want to talk, just, just let them know that you're there for them. And just saying that just, you know, is huge to someone who's going through their own grief. And how did your husband respond? He was, you know, he's always been the, I guess, stronger, more, more put together one. He's the less emotional one, if you will. Um, so he, I mean, he was so patient with me and just, you know, when I would go into my hysterics and, and start crying and ranting and, but he, um, he said, we've, we've just, we've got to get through this. We have each other, you know, and we have our faith and, you know, if it's meant to be, it will be. So, and yeah, and he did kind of get over it a little bit faster, I would say. And and it's just, you know, different for, it's Mm -hmm. always different for the mother, Mm -hmm. you know, it, Mm -hmm. it was my body, you know, it was 
something that happened physically to me. So, so you um, gave birth to your little girl, and you I did. seemed to bring healing. Okay, so yes. continue from there. I sort of naively thought that the worst was behind me, and that because I had had a normal and healthy pregnancy and delivery with Abby, that nothing else could go wrong. <laughs> Um, but I was very wrong, uh, in pregnancy, you know, just as in life, there's no guarantees. Right. So, uh, our life at the time, you know, seemed like something like a chapter out of a romance novel. It, in the fall of (laughs) 2013, uh, my husband, uh, you know, surprised me with a trip to Paris and he had arranged for my parents to watch 18-month-old Abby so we could get some time away, just the two of us. We had a wonderful time. And uh, shortly after we returned home, we realized we were pregnant. (laughs) Um, And now at this point, I had had two miscarriages, one before the birth of my daughter Abby and one right after Mm. So how did you my, deal with the second one compared to the first? You know, I I didn't go quite I didn't go quite down that same road, but I was still, you know, very confused, very you know, I felt as if my my body had betrayed me in a way. I, you know, I thought we had, you know, I thought we were good. Um and I sort of, you know, went down the same road again with, you know, we're just going to try and try again and see what happens. Mm -hmm. But, but I think after that second miscarriage, any initial happiness I have at the beginning of Mm -hmm. the pregnancy is would was always, would always, you know, be tinged with Mm -hmm. fear Mm -hmm. that I would have another miscarriage. And how did you deal with that fear at those moments? It was so difficult. It was like walking, you know, on eggshells. I felt like, you know, everything I did or didn't do, you know, could impact this. So I, you know, I went to the extremes and, you know, I wouldn't drink coffee or Diet Coke or, you know, just put myself on, you know, bed rest (laughs) and not wanting to be very active, you know, just whatever I thought could minimize the chance of that happening again. So uh, while we were both, you know, excited to find out we were pregnant again, I I was just in fear that Uh it would happen again. At seven weeks, that's exactly what I thought was happening again. I started bleeding and I experienced similar cramps and discomfort. And this happened um, over the weekend. And that next Monday morning, I went to see my doctor And I had already sort of emotionally prepared myself for Mm. the devastating news that I would hear. Um, And I laid back, you know, on the exam table. And then my doctor looked at the ultrasound screen. And then he looked back at me, kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) And then he said, you know, Crystal, is this, was this a spontaneous pregnancy? And you know, my mom was in the room with me and we both kind of looked at each other confused. Right. <laughs> and I said, what? <laughs> and he said, oh, you know, sorry, I, I meant, you know, did you use fertility drugs to get pregnant? And I said, no. <laughs> um, you know, I had my first daughter naturally. We, we didn't 
you know, we didn't need to do that. So he smiled back at me and he said, wow, well, this is incredible because you're, you're pregnant with twins. Aww. <laughs> and, and your I, feelings were, <laughs> oh my, I thought he was joking. And I said, you know, that's not funny. Like, why would you do that to your patient? <laughs> he said, no, I'm, I'm not joking. He said, look at the screen. And he pointed, you know, he put his finger on this tiny dot and he said, here's one baby. And, you know, here's the other. And, you know, my, I was speechless, you know, I, it was honestly, it was a whirlpool of emotions. Oh, of course. Because I had gone in, you know, to the doctor preparing, you know, for the worst that they would say, you know, this pregnancy is no longer viable, but then instead, you know, I'm pregnant with twins. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, and he, um, he, he, my doctor revealed that, um, the bleeding that I was experiencing was a blood clot in my uterus. And he explained that sometimes the blood clot can pull the pregnancy and terminate it, but other times it can reabsorb itself back into the body. And so he, he put me on bed rest, complete bed rest, and there was nothing we could really do except pray to God that this blood clot would dissolve on its own and that would, you know, give my baby a chance to live. So the waiting was not easy. Oh, no, it was a nerve wracking few weeks to say the least. Um, I, I only left the bed to, you know, shower and use the restroom. <laughs> um, and it, it made it extremely difficult while, while taking care of my toddler daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, thank goodness we had my family in town, so my parents were able to help watch uh, Abby for me during that time. Um, and then I, uh, we went back to the doctor, and uh, we discovered that the blood clot had gone away, and that I was still expecting twins. And I just remember feeling this great pressure being mm. lifted, and that I was able to breathe, and I... Had was also lifted from my bed rest sentence, <laughs> so <laughs> I was allowed to get up and, and waddle around. Um, and you know, how, I, how far along were you at this point? I was uh, close to ten weeks, so we were getting close to the end of the first trimester. Okay. Um, and and you know, the next few weeks, I I kind of went on as if nothing you know had happened. Mm-hmm. I was busy, you know, preparing the nursery and getting our family ready for two more little babies. And, and it was a smooth sailing for about 12 weeks or so. Uh, and then when I was 22 weeks pregnant, uh, something changed Uh. and it was, I felt odd. I felt as if something wasn't quite right. I had, uh, gained eight pounds in one week. Mm. And I consulted my doctor about it and he, you know, assured me that it was fine, that maybe I was, you know, just running around too much, retaining too much, you know, water weight (laughs) and that I should take it easy over the weekend. But, you know, just to, he would go ahead and schedule me to see the high risk specialist just to be sure. And so I, uh, I went in that next week to see the doctor and, you know, I laid back on the exam table and as soon as he put the, you know, the ultrasound wand on my stomach, he knew. Oh my goodness. 
he said, uh, your babies have twin to twin transfusion disease. You said I, what? Yeah. I was like, what? I was speechless. I didn't even know what that, what the heck that was. Um, and he said, you know, it's a rare life threatening condition and it's something that only happens in identical twin babies because they share the same placenta. They share the same, you know, blood vessels. Basically what had happened was that baby B was transfusing blood disproportionately to baby A. And the disease had just progressed rapidly within those few days, you know, undetected. He told us, I remember at this point, it's all just words, you know, going in and out of, you know, my ears. But then I I perked up at the moment that he said, you know, if we don't operate, there's a 90% chance your babies will die. And at that moment, oh my gosh, my just, my heart you know, sunk. The, one, one of the babies was in heart failure and the other baby was scrunched up to the other side, um, you know, of my womb and sh- sh- not growing and being deprived of nutrients. You know, this, this diagnosis was, you know, devastating. And I'm, I'm normally one that talks a lot and asks a lot of questions and I just, I couldn't speak. And I began, you know, the same sort of things ran through my mind again. Like just, you know, why is this happening? This is right. This rare mm. disease. You know, I I did everything right. Did you, you feel know? any guilt at this point? Definitely. I I was, you know, I felt guilty. I, you know, was convinced that I maybe I had done something or or not done enough of something, and you know, just everything from you know, maybe I didn't have enough prenatal vitamins or folic acid or just something. But, um, but my doctor assured me very quickly that it was nothing that I had done. It was just sometimes these things just happen. And when they do, they evolve very quickly. And it just sort of spirals, you know, out of control very quickly. So, um, so we yes, were left. deep breath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> deep breaths here. Um, so we were uh, we were rushed into this, you know, to meet with a team of you know specialists, and they ran a whole series of tests and ultrasounds, and they took me and my husband. I remember they walked us into a conference room, and I I would later nickname it the conference room of doom. <laughs> because I, I knew that, you know, this is the place they bring all the families, you know, to break the bad news to them. And uh, so it was in this room that uh, they advised us that our best course of action was to do an in utero procedure where they basically uh, take a laser through my stomach and, you know, cut all of the blood vessels that the girls um, uh, were sharing, that the babies are sharing. Really? Yes. And I thought this procedure, I thought this solution just sounded like some kind of medical experiment. No kidding. I was, uh, yeah, I was terrified. And, And then just as I was beginning to wrap my head around this, we were asked to decide that if the surgeons found during the surgery that they could only save one baby, uh, which baby did they want? Oh my Lord. Did they want us to try and save? And that basically by saving one baby, um, 
they would essentially have to tie off the umbilical cord Mm -hmm. to the other. And I just lost it. (laughs) You know, this scenario that we were being put in was one that I thought, you know, no parents should ever have to Mm -hmm. be, be put through this, that, you know, these questions, no parent should have to answer them or even think about them ever. So, I mean, at this point I was, you know, so nauseous and it felt like, uh, you know, my world was completely crumbling. I, I didn't know what I was going to say. I didn't know how I was going to, how we were going to answer this. Uh, so the doctor told us, you know, go, you guys go home and talk about it tomorrow morning before the surgery. I want you to give me your answer. Hmm. And, you know, who could sleep that night? <laughs> um, so we, you know, my husband and I talked about it in length for hours. We called, you know, the priest to our church and, you know, talked with him and discussed things with him. And he prayed with us. And in my mind, though, there was only one answer that I that I could give. And so the next morning you know, while they were prepping me for surgery, I looked my doctor in the eyes and I said, you got to save both my babies. You know, we're, (laughs) we're, we're in this for both of them. (laughs) So you, you do what you need to do. (laughs) And, you know, he looked at me and he said, you know, Crystal, I, uh, of course, you know, uh, we, we will, um, we have this, you know, and we will do the best we can. And, uh, you know, it, it's in the hands of God at this point. So, um, so we went through with the surgery, and uh, and it was a success. Uh, my my husband and I were so happy; our prayers had been answered, and that our baby girls were able to beat this, you know, deadly mm-hmm. disease. But uh, unfortunately, that wasn't the end. <laughs> we uh, let's just we, back up for a moment. Where you said uh, this is. What is this called again? Twin to twin syndrome? Yeah, twin to twin transfusion. Mm-hmm. Oh, transfusion. And what causes that? Have they ever determined that? Or um, It basically is something that only happens in identical twins, they know. So, so if you're having, you know, fraternal twins, it's, you know, not an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But they don't know, like, why it happens. They, I mean, other than it's because the babies are sharing this placenta and, you know, the nutrients and just sometimes, yes, sometimes it happens that they should start sharing, you know, the blood. Did that bring comfort to you then knowing that you couldn't have done anything to make it, you know, not happen? Um, It did and it didn't because in some ways, you know, it did relieve some of the guilt that I would have felt otherwise, Uh you know, be you know having caused it but in in another way it was just frustrating because it was like well why don't why don't you have the answer for no me? kidding yeah. you know just yeah other than and 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 one thing we did learn was that every case with twin to twin is so very different so some some mm. families could get the diagnosis early and it could just be something they monitor and then it could be fine oh, but really? then in other families, such as, you know, our family, it happened almost overnight and it just, you know, it, it spiraled out of control so quickly, you know, than anybody could have, you know, predicted. So it left us, you know, with no other choice, right, but, the, right. but the surgery. 
So you get through the surgery, you're given mm-hmm. the clean bill of health, you're breathing again. Do you yeah. have to, now you get to go home and I suppose take it easy at this point, but you were not on bed rest. That is correct. Okay. Um, so I go home and um, they want me to come back the next day just to follow up. And um, so the next morning when I go back, uh, they find out that during the procedure, there had been a very small medical mishap mm. and they had, the, the surgeon had unintentionally created a small hole when he oh was in there goodness. with the laser uh, and the hole was in the inner twin membrane. And, but they, you know, they assured us, you know, don't worry, this kind of thing happens It's just something we'll monitor. Oh, sure. (laughs) So, you know, in my mind, I want to believe them, but Mm -hmm. I'm just still thinking what's going to happen. Did you have to deal with anger at this point? Uh, I wasn't angry so much as just just frightened with, you know, what, what else could possibly go wrong now? Just living in, you know, fear for basically a week of what if, what if scenarios. Right. And um, so the next week I went back for the follow-up appointment and it turned out that one of the babies had ripped the hole and made it bigger and she had gone over on the other side to be with her sister. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It was like almost the sweetest, most dangerous thing, you know, a lethal right. combination. Um, so at this time, what that meant was that my twins were being classified as mono-mono twins is what they call them. And they're the rarest kind of twins. And they share the same amniotic sac and the same placenta. Really? So ba- basically it's kind of like if there's, in sharing the same sleeping bag, if you will, they're mm-hmm, swimming, mm-hmm. they're swimming around very close. So is there room? Like, w- would it be a concern? Like there wouldn't be room as they get bigger or was that not a concern? Yes. So that was, so this, um, carries its own host of complications, okay, that's, com- completely different and unrelated to the twin to twin disease. Because they're so close, um, their risk for entangling their umbilical cords and, you know, cord compression. So the, the way that, um, you know, doctors usually handle these cases is they have to monitor the baby's heart rate uh-huh. every few hours just to make sure they're okay. So my, my doctor looks at me and he says, Crystal, you know, I'm not letting you out of my sight, literally. No kidding. <laughs> um, so he placed me on hospital bed rest, um, the Houston Medical Center, and the plan was uh, for me to spend the remainder of my pregnancy there. And how you know, far the, were you along at this point again? I was uh, 20, 24 weeks 24 at this weeks, point. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The time you know I spent in the hospital was just such an emotional roller coaster. Mm-hmm. I would have days where the babies were perfectly fine, you know, healthy heartbeats, you know, take a nap, catch up on daytime soaps, <laughs> you know, <Right>. no worries, <laughs> uh, you know, bad hospital food, whatever. <laughs> um, and then there were times where 
And it always seemed to happen in the middle of the night where most of the doctors had gone home, you know, my family wasn't there. And the nurse would be trying to track one of the baby's heartbeats. And then she just, she couldn't find them. Oh. And she, she would, you know, be frantically, you know, scanning my stomach with the mm-hmm. machine and, and, and searching. And, and in one instance, you know, she, she looked and she looked for about half an hour and I said, you got to go get help. I mean, call someone, you know, do something. And so we ended up, um, they ended up paging a doctor who came up in the middle of the night and he did an ultrasound. And I just remember being, until he got there, I was just so terrified that I uh-huh. thought something's happened. And we, after everything, you know, we've gone through to, to now, you know, possibly the thought of losing, you know, one of my babies, while in the hospital, the yes, monitor yes. was just, and that was incredibly frustrating and, uh, you know, emotional. And so I was, you know, for those weeks that I was there, it was like I was being tormented with the all uh-huh. of these, you know, what if scenarios of losing my baby. Um, and so, and that, at that point, that's when I turned to, to writing. So to kind of... Um, Get my yes, mind a, yes. a little bit off that. I um, I began journaling and free writing, whatever came to my mind. And uh, the hospital had a musical therapist there, and I wrote some lullabies for my babies. And uh, the therapist helped me put it to music. And for me, I mean, I found that the more the more that I wrote, the more that it helped me move past the fear and the pain. It was just, I found it so liberating and so cathartic because it was like I was sitting, you know, in this bed, Mm -hmm, physically mm -hmm. unable to get up or do anything. But my mind was running away and, Mm -hmm. you know, memories and flashbacks and thoughts, you know, from my life prior to all this, you know, inspired, um, mm-hmm. you know, so much writing. Oh, excellent. So and that's, that's that, therapy in itself too. It was. I, and it's, it's something that I was very grateful for. And I, I didn't think about it until after, but something that I thought that if, if I had been at home, you know, perhaps this wouldn't have happened, you know, because I wouldn't have, you know, been going, I wouldn't have had, you know, access to the musical therapist and I wouldn't have, you know, been able to do it quite the same way. So, um, I, I was so grateful that I had, I had that, um, that writing. And then, um, I made it to about 30, I was 30 weeks and four days. Uh, so at this point I had been in the hospital for about five weeks and then, something completely unexpected happened. Um, I woke up one morning and I just had a gut feeling that something was off and that today was the day that my babies had to be delivered. And I couldn't explain it. I just knew something was off. So, um, you know, I, I told my doctor and they put me on the monitor machine and, and, you know, they said, you, you know, you are having some contractions, but you're still kind of early. We would really like you to make it, you know, a little bit further. 
Um, so they gave me, you know, some antibiotics to prevent me from going into labor, but, uh, they didn't work. (laughs) So, um, you know, a few hours later, my doctor came back to check on me and I just really urged and pleaded with him to to, please. I like, I just know we have to deliver. And, you know, so he kind of saw, you know, I wasn't improving. I was still (laughs) having the contractions and, and he listened to me. And so he, you know, he went through and started the C-section and, you know, all of this, I would be told after the fact, but, you know, he said that as soon as, as soon as he started the C-section, he knew something was wrong. There was a ton of blood everywhere and he had to act very quickly to get both babies out. And, you know, he got them out probably about 20 seconds apart. Um, and, uh, so basically I had had a placental eruption. Oh, which is um, when the placenta detaches itself from the wall. And uh, the signs are are usually very obvious. You know, you start to bleed, you know, heavily, and then Mm -hmm. doctors know something is wrong. But in my case, it had been undetected. So, you know, basically, if we would have waited any longer to deliver the babies, they they could have died. and, And I could have died as well, which was the the most terrifying. I mean, it was all just Uh so, and then when, when the next morning, you know, or when, when they told me all of this, I just couldn't believe that after, you know, what we had gone through with the babies, that there would ever be something wrong or, you know, with me or that, Uh you know, that Uh something could ever happen to me. I was always so concerned with the health of the babies. Um, But you also must have, been so thankful that you persisted with the doctor because it was that yes. mother's knowing you knew beyond yes. a shadow of it it had to be now so that must have I been knew. yes yes and it was I just kept telling them I know I'm not a doctor and a nurse but you got to listen to me and I'm I was so glad that you know I, I made them <laughs> basically mm-hmm. deliver me and it was I I truly think it you know was just a power of prayers and you know skillful and talented doctors and nurses mm-hmm. that work tirelessly, you know, and, and by the grace of God, you know, that my two little girls and me all came out alive. <laughs> and, uh, so it took, um, I always like to say it took a long string of miracles <laughs> for, no kidding. for, uh, my daughters, Katie and Lauren, um, to, to be born and they're, um, they're beautiful and strong and healthy and they're How old. They are two. They will actually be three in a few weeks. <laughs> Any more babies in the making you think? Who no, <laughs> no, we, we, uh, we both. Yeah. My husband and I said, you know what? We're very blessed. We're, we're going to call it quits while, while we're ahead. And my doctor definitely, you know, supported our decision. Oh, great. <laughs> I think we gave, I gave him, you know, him and my husband, I gave them all gray hairs. <laughs> no kidding. Um, yeah. So tell us about your book. Now, did you write this at all when you were journaling or did you wait until after? And I know it's coming out soon. So just tell us about it and what kind of book it is. Is it self-help or is it strictly your memoir? Yeah, no. So basically, yeah, my with my book, I... It, it it started with the journaling and the free writing and it and it was 
and was when, when I came home, it was after my babies had come home from the NICU that I was, you know, sitting on the couch one day, extremely overwhelmed with like two preemie newborns, a two-year-old that we were trying to potty train. <laughs> and it was just so chaotic. But I, I just had this moment, this thought, I said, I have to write our story down. I, I just, I have to do this. I don't know when I'm going to find the time, but you know, I just, I will. And, and I did, you know, and it, over the course of, you know, two years, you know, moments here during nap time, or I would work a lot in the evenings, um, when they were asleep, but, um, but yeah, it is a memoir. It is the story of, um, my pregnancy and everything, everything I went through and all of the details. And so it is a, it is a book of encouragement, I would assume. It is. And I, I wanted it, you know, I wrote it not, not only for women, you know, going through a high risk pregnancy or women that would, you know, have babies in the NICU, but, you know, for all, all of us going through this, you know, journey of pregnancy and motherhood, um, you know, so that we to be, you know, a source of hope and encouragement and that, you know, people can get through, you know, whatever adversity they're going through. Exactly. And those are the kind of stories that they really warm our hearts because many of us can relate Mm -hmm. with many different um, parts of the story, I'm sure. And also to just know that you never gave up, that you listened to your heart, even to save those babies' lives at the very end there. You know, I mean, that was that was a mother's uh, a mother's tuition, intuition. Mm-hmm. tuition <laughs> you, I will, went to, you went to school all right you paid your tuition I was gonna say I will be paying three tuitions one day <laughs> exactly. Exactly. and you're strong and you're healthy and the girls are and you must look at them and and just be so grateful and so thankful every day and to share your story now and to bring encouragement to women who maybe either have lost a child or in the process of losing one or want to get pregnant and can't. I mean, there are many people, I'm sure, that would be touched and encouraged by your story. So that that's awesome. I thank you for sharing that. Oh, thank you so much. Before we talk about your next book, is there anything else you want to share? I think I would just wanted to say that, you know, my trauma, my, my tragedy, um, you know, transformed me. I, so I I would tell people to kind of use their tragedies as a vehicle to transform themselves Mm -hmm. into a better, better version of themselves and, you know, to inspire hope to people, other families, you know, when they go through their own journeys. Well, every experience we have affects us. And I believe Mm -hmm. that it's how we allow it to affect us really makes a difference, doesn't it? I mean, we can play the victim card or we can say, I made it through and I'm stronger and now I can help someone else going through the same thing. So that's, to me, that's what one of the main reasons why we are survivors is to be able to help someone else. So tell us about your next book. Um, well, I'm currently working on it right now, but it's it's sort of like a natural follow-up to Twin to Twin, kind of like what happens after the babies came home and sort of raising, you oh, know, the, okay. the twins and, and Abby and how I survived that. <laughs> I'm still and surviving is it, that. <laughs> is it humorous? Is it uh, like it, little short it stories? Is. What kind of... Um... 
it's lighthearted. Yeah. Different, different short stories. And it'll, it'll make any, you know, parent or grandparent just laugh out loud (laughs) with those, you know, incidents that we're all (laughs) faced with day to day. (laughs) That sounds awesome. I, you never, you never can get too much of that. No. (laughs) And when do you hope to have that done? Uh, well, my girls are actually all starting school full time in the fall. So I hope to finish it within the next year or so. Um, that would be my goal. And your book now is just coming out, correct? The twin to twin. It is. We are, my agent is, uh, still shopping for a publisher, but we hope that it will be coming out soon. So look forward to it. And I'll have all those links, of course, uh, available for the listeners. And hopefully you have touched hearts. I am quite confident that you did. And if there are any mums who may be going through something, I know that you would be open to have them contact you. And with any of your your social media links or your email or whatever, um, just to be able to share maybe their yes. stories with you and you and you help them through it. Yes, because I would love we that. All, we all need that. And when you, so many emotions that you were going through, and then and the guilt too. I mean, there's there's just so many things that you have overcome, and it's awesome to be able to help somebody else. So I thank you so much, Crystal, for sharing your story. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much, Carol. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.